The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC, and here are your top five at five. We begin with stocks trying for a bit of a Tuesday turnaround after ending lower for the third straight day just yesterday. And investors grappling with a one-two punch, the first from Omicron. The CDC out with new data on just how prevalent the variant is here in the U.S. and how far it's come in just the last two weeks. Second, we got that drama in D.C. as the White House and Democrats, they look to salvage their nearly $2 trillion Build Back Better agenda. Then we turn our attention overseas. Unrest over in Europe over new plan restrictions ahead of the busy holiday travel season. And then from bronze... Up to silver, a late-night Sunday surge helping Disney's Marvel once again make history. It is Tuesday, December 21st, 2021. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. And good morning. I am Frank Collin in for Brian Sullivan. I hope your morning is getting off to a great start. We are kicking off your Tuesday morning with U.S. stock futures, and this morning, they're in the green. All the major indices up just about a half a percent. Right now, we can see the Dow looks like it's poised to pop about 150 points at the open, at least at this point. This after a rough start to the week. Yesterday, the Dow falling more than 1% for its third down day in a row, down almost 700 points. The S&P also ending the day sharply lower, capping off its worst three-day streak since late September. And we also continue to watch the value versus growth trade closely watched by investors. The iShares, Russell Growth ETF, coming off a more than 1% loss just yesterday. We're showing you the chart right here. And his fifth negative session in the last six, a slightly better day for value, but not really by much. The real story, there, there is a month-to-date picture that has value actually up 1.6% compared to growth, which is down more than 2.5% on pace to snap a two-month win streak. Certainly something to watch. We're also checking treasuries. Up slightly this morning as the investors, they just continue to assess that Omicron risk. We see the 10-year right now at 1.426, still below that 1.5% level. That seems to really be key when it comes to tech stocks and other high-growth names. We're also watching oil after its worst day since November. Right now, we're seeing WTI up fractionally, really, about a quarter percent. Ice Brent crude down, well, very slightly, very fractionally, pretty much flat right there. And, of course, we have to pay attention to crypto, always watching crypto. Right now, Bitcoin just below that key level of 50,000 right now, up about 3.5% this morning, but only at, not only, but at 48,600, still below 50,000, something a lot of investors are watching. Also, Ethereum, a lot of things being built on that platform, up 2.25% right now. We're also turning your attention to the stock of the morning. That is, what else? Just do it. Nike, higher in the pre-market, as sales and earnings for its most recent quarter top estimates thanks to strong North American demand. I'm one of them. I've been looking for running shoes. Much more on that later on in the show. But now, let's go worldwide. A huge turnaround in Asia overnight with Japan jumping 2% and a rebound underway in Europe as well. Right now, we're going to turn our attention overseas. Let's get to that. 
And, uh, well, we just did it, actually. I'm doing it. I thought we were going to toss somebody overseas, but we just took a look international. I just gave it to you. All right, with that, let's get to some of this morning's other top stories. Silvana now is here. Silvana, take it away. Hey, Frank, good morning. China Mobile says it hopes to raise $8.8 billion from a Shanghai IPO. The announcement coming almost one year after it was forced to delist in New York amid a U.S. blacklisting for alleged ties to the Chinese military. China Mobile is the world's largest cellular phone network operator in terms of subscribers. And the listing would make it the world's second largest IPO this year, right behind Rivian. China Mobile's IPO also coming as the SEC prepares to ask U.S.-listed Chinese companies to disclose legal and regulatory risks posed to them by the recent multi-sector Beijing crackdown. Meanwhile, what is normally the second busiest in-person shopping day of the year, Super Saturday, or the final Saturday before Christmas, not so super this year. According to new data from Sensormatic Solutions, U.S. visits to retail stores dropped 26 percent compared to 2019, though they were up compared to last year. Despite the slowdown, the National Retail Federation is projecting total holiday season retail sales could rise by as much as 11.5 percent from last year. And the White House says President Biden has tested negative for COVID-19 after coming in close contact with an aide who tested positive. The aide, who is fully boosted but started to display COVID-19 symptoms Sunday, spent approximately 30 minutes with the president on Air Force One on Friday. The White House says others on Air Force One who were in close contact with his staff member are being contacted and will be advised to get tested per CDC guidance. Frank? Silvana, thank you very much. You got it. Now we're turning our attention back to Washington and the ongoing fight against COVID-19. President Biden sent to address the nation this afternoon as the CDC now says that Omicron is the dominant strain here in the United States. NBC's Alice Barr joins us now from Washington with much more. Good morning, Alice. Good morning, Frank. Yeah, the CDC says that Omicron now accounts for 73 percent of new COVID cases. And medical experts are saying it's just alarming how quickly it's spreading and how quickly it's outstripped what was the dominant strain of Delta. Overnight, uh, health officials in Texas announced what they believe is the first known Omicron-related death. This was a man who was more than 50 years old. He was unvaccinated, and we're told he had underlying health conditions. Now, that unvaccinated part, of course, that is the key that uh, health officials are stressing. They do still believe that if you have your, your original vaccine doses and if you have a booster shot, that you're going to be very well protected against Omicron. In fact, Moderna just came out with its new data showing similarly to Pfizer that its booster dose uh, does a really good job of protecting against Omicron. And health officials say so far, uh, the breakthrough infections they've seen have really been mild, even among those who are in the older population. As you just noted, President Biden was exposed to someone with a breakthrough infection. But because um, of current CDC protocols, he doesn't have to isolate because he is fully vaccinated. So he's preparing to address the nation this afternoon. And he's facing a little bit of criticism for having waited this long to come out with what the uh, response is going to be to this fast spreading variant. We know the president is planning to lay out some new steps that the administration will be taking to help individuals 
Will communities respond to the Omicron threat? He's also expected to address the frustrations over difficulties in accessing testing, uh, expanding access. We know there have been long lines across the country for people who are trying to get tests, as well as difficulty getting those at-home tests. And we know that the president is set to issue a stark warning about what the winter ahead is going to look like for unvaccinated Americans. Frank. Alice Barr with the very latest in D.C. Thank you. All right. Now we want to take you to the Kennedy Space Center down in Florida for a moment where the SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket is set to launch a Dragon 2 spacecraft to the International Space Station. This will be the third launch for SpaceX in less than four days. The previous two were just about 15 hours apart. The flight is the 24th mission by SpaceX conducted under a commercial resupply services contract with NASA. And good luck to those astronauts and good luck to that launch. That's happening right now. Watching it live there at the Kennedy Space Center. Very cool moment. Turning our attention now back to the markets. They did not take off yesterday. They actually got hammered on worries about the Omicron variant, tighter monetary policy, and the potential collapse of President Biden's spending plan. But if history is any guide, if history ever repeats itself, things may look up today. The folks at Bespoke Investment Group say a sell-off of at least 1% on Monday tends to be followed by a positive performance on Tuesday. They use the SPY or the S&P 500 ETF as a proxy. Since its creation in 1993, the SPY has had 70 declines of 1% or more on a Monday. The average return on a Tuesday, a gain of 0.9%, basically a 1% rise. Let's talk much more about this and get a longer-term view on what the new year may hold with Emily Bowersock-Hill, founding partner of Bowersock Capital, a Century Wealth Partner firm. Emily, thanks for being here. Can't hear you. Are, are you on mute? No. Okay, there no. we go. There we go. I heard you just now. All Good. right. Again, thank you for being here. Glad you get, you're here with us. So we just touched on the historical data. Uh, you know, if history is any indicator today, we could see a 0.9% rise, a 1% rise, basically. But I got to say, it feels like we're in some uncharted waters. We just talked a little bit about it. Um, rising variant here in the U.S., rising inflation. Jay Powell said maybe time just to retire transitory. We're also seeing the easing of some historic money policy. How do you see today shaping out with everything we have on the landscape? You know, I'd actually expect the market to snap back a bit today. And part of that is because and, you know, I, I talk about this a lot. But I think we're seeing very, still seeing very significant retail flows into the market. And when we saw that last Omicron dip, we saw record buying by retail investors. So that's putting a bit of a floor on the market. I do think we're going to continue to see significant volatility over the next month because you're right. You know, there are a lot of unknowns out there. Always are. So certainly a lot of unknowns that we are very aware of, uh, Omicron obviously being the biggest one, inflation the second one, supply chain issues. We could go down a long list of things that we already know about. Are there any other macro trends that you think we need to be watching, whether it's here in the U.S. or overseas? One of my biggest concerns continues to be the slowdown in China. And I think it's an unappreciated risk to global stock markets. You know, we're seeing population growth slowing in China. We're seeing a pretty sharp slowdown in manufacturing activity. And so China is under pressure. And as you likely know, you know, Chinese, the Chinese economy is between 20 and 30 percent of global GDP. So any struggles there are likely to reverberate. And I'm, I'm not sure that's been fully priced in. It's, it's also, frankly, a deflationary force 
that may keep a lid on inflation, even in this country. All right. Uh, a couple stock picks. Let's get over to those. Um, you know, I think when Omicron first emerged, a lot of us thought those stay at home, work out at home, study at home, whatever you want to call them at home stocks would really perform well. We have not seen that so far with the current environment, a lot of uncertainty. Do you have any stock picks that can kind of ride through this uncertainty into the new year? You know, one of our we really like the semiconductor sector in general. Uh, I am becoming a little bit concerned about the very significant government spending on semiconductor production. And we have to remember that semiconductors, that that sector is very highly cyclical. But there are some names that I think are relatively defensive, and one of those would be Taiwan Semiconductor. Uh, I think, you know, it's basically flat or even slightly down over the last three months, while the semiconductor index in general is up about 10%. And it's a very financially disciplined company with a good yield. And so for anyone who wants to get exposure to a sector, you know, semiconductor revenue pool is likely to double by 2030. It's a good defensive name that will provide you some cash flow in the meantime. Any other picks? Uh, one thing we've been watching is a lot more people, well, at least talking about shopping online. I think just with some of the supply chain issues, people have been maybe not forced, but encouraged to go to the stores to get what they want. But anything other way to play the trend of more online shopping? Yes, we really like a company called Big Commerce, which is a, very, which is a Shopify competitor. Uh, Shopify is trading at still, even after the recent sell-off, for around 40 times sales, and Big Commerce is at about 13 times. If you look at the chart, it, it does not look particularly attractive. It's a long-term hold. But frankly, if you if you look at the Russell 2000, there are parts of that index that are already in a bear market. Small cap has really been hit uh, over with the volatility over the last few months. So with careful selection of small cap names and particularly companies like Big Commerce that are disruptive technology companies and that are basically a play on mm-hmm. buying online, I think is a good long term investment. Very cool. disciplined management team, by the way. All right. Big commerce. I know they have some partnerships with FedEx and the stock actually up about a half percent in the pre-market. Some other people think in the way you are, Emily. Thanks for being here. We appreciate the insight. Thanks All very right. much. When we come back here on Worldwide Exchange, unresting Europe over new proposed lockdown measures in the face of Omicron. We have a live report coming up. Plus, an industry hit hard by the pandemic now facing an uncertain future, at least in the near term. We speak with one New York City restaurateur who's had to make some very tough choices in the last two years. And later, why President Biden's Build Back Better agenda may still have a lifeline left to play. But first, another live shot of that SpaceX launch to the International Space Station, the company's third launch in less than four days. A very busy hour still ahead. Worldwide Exchange just taking off itself. Stay with us. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. 
Edward Jones, member SIPC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Now to the developing situation overseas amid surging Omicron cases. Leaders in Germany are set to decide on new restrictions for the post-Christmas period aimed at slowing the spread of the virus. This as demonstrations against fresh COVID measures continue in that country and they turn violent in some places. CNBC's Anetta Weisbach joins us now from Frankfurt with the very latest. Anetta, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Yes, indeed. We're having a corona crisis meeting today in Berlin and uh, in which most likely uh, severe restrictions for social gatherings will be decided. And those will kick in from the 28th of December, according to reports, the draft, which I've also seen. So essentially, people who are vaccinated are only allowed then to meet 10 other people. The unvaccinated are staying in lockdown anyways. They're already in lockdown. They're not allowed to enter shops or uh, go to restaurants and cinema. So what is also discussed to close down nightclubs and also uh, cultural events, sporting events um, will only happen without a physical audience. So essentially that will be a lockdown. And another another report gives us also the reason for the timing. According to the chancellery, Omicron will hit the country only in the beginning of January. And the chancellery does think that those severe restrictions will only last for a couple of weeks and people might actually not adhere to them if they were to last longer. Given those, we have seen that just now, the protests on the street, only 30% of people here are unvaccinated. And that is the reason. It's a huge divide in the society of Germany. I think it's a huge divide globally, uh, at least here in the U.S. So I have to ask, the protests and the the strong pushback by people, is this a pan-European phenomenon or is it more Germany-specific? It's actually not really pan-European. What could argue that those countries who has been hit uh, had been hit very badly in the first two waves, they have a very high vaccination level. For example, Spain has a very high vaccination level. Italy has a very high vaccination level. And these are also the countries, interestingly now, who have a very lax approach to the Omicron wave also hitting potentially their country. So they are pledging to keep everything open. Also, France is among them. That France is still insisting that there will not be any lockdowns, but they have restricted travel uh, from the UK into the country as well. So for now, one could, can say that the northern countries in Europe are headed towards more lockdown measures, whereas the south, uh, like the Mediterranean countries, uh, do pledge to keep their uh, economies and their societies open. Anetta, thanks for the very latest out of Germany. We appreciate it. All right, now as we head to break, stock futures extending gains after a very rough session yesterday. Here's a look at some of the Dow's biggest pre-market gainers, Worldwide Exchange. We're back right after this. Today's big number. 
$5.6 trillion. That's the total of all M&A deals so far this year. A new record, according to Deal Logic. Deal volumes jumped 63% over 2020. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Let's get a check on this morning's other headlines. NBC's Francis Rivera is in New York with the very latest. Happy holidays and good morning, Francis. Happy holidays and good morning to you, Frank. Yeah, we start with the new year that has arrived early at the crossroads of the world. After a cross-country road trip that started in California, the 2022 New Year's Eve numerals are now in the Big Apple. The seven-foot-tall numbers will be perched atop one Times Square later this week to help bring in the new year. And partygoers are keeping their fingers crossed that this year's festivities won't be canceled because of the current pandemic surge. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio is set to announce the status of this year's Times Square celebration before Christmas. SpaceX headquarters in Hawthorne, California, is dealing with an employee COVID outbreak. According to public health data, at least 132 employees have tested positive. The rapid spread of the virus has led the NHL to become the first North American professional sports league to pause its season. The league and the players union have agreed to delay five games and begin its holiday break early. Games are said to resume on Monday, December 27th. Over to the NFL, the Vikings and Bears rekindled their rivalry under the lights of Monday Night Football. It was a low-scoring struggle at Soldier Field, marked by big defensive plays like Deion Bush's wide-open interception of Kirk Cousins. Cousins would regroup, throwing a pair of touchdowns in the Vikings' 17-9 win over the Bears. And in a game rescheduled because of COVID from Saturday, the Browns grabbed the lead with under four minutes to play, only for the boot of Daniel Carlson to lift the Raiders up as time expired. Las Vegas cashes out in Cleveland 16-14, to and a rare pair of Tuesday night games are on the docket tonight. Both were postponed from Sunday's slate, Frank, so something to look forward to with these games during the week, especially with so many things leading up to the holidays being canceled. At least we got some weekday football. Yeah, I'm an Eagles fan, so I'm excited for that game. I'm going to be curious how the team performs after getting the game postponed. All right, Frank. Well, I'll be watching. All right, France Rivera, thanks for that. Mm-hmm. All right, still on deck here on Worldwide Exchange, the new Spider-Man film. Further swinging into record territory where it stands in the box office and in box office history and the staggering stat on just how money it's brought in so far. Got to see that. And if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple, Spotify, or other podcast apps. Worldwide Exchange, going to be right back. A Tuesday turnaround taking shape as stocks look to shake off losses and put a stop to their Omicron-fueled slide. Futures are solidly higher. 
giving Build Back Better another go. New details on the talks between President Biden and Senator Joe Manchin and how the plan could still possibly be saved. And COVID once again hammering restaurants all around the country. We talked to one New York City restaurateur on the new hurdles he and others are facing to keep their doors open amid Omicron. It is Tuesday, December 21st. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. And welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I am Frank Holland in for Big Papa Brian Sullivan. Let's get right to stock futures halfway through the 5 a.m. hour, at least here in New York City. And we begin with a green outlook on the futures. The Dow looks like it's poised to pop about 200 points at the open, at least right now. It's actually up from where it was earlier today. We're also seeing the S&P and the Nasdaq in the green. This comes after a very rough start to the week. The Dow falling yesterday more than 1% for its third down day in a row. The S&P also ending the day sharply lower, capping off its worst three-day streak since late September. And now taking a look over at the Treasury market and bonds, the 10-year fighting to hold above that 1.4 threshold earlier. Now it's at 1.443, right below that 1.5 level. That seems to be key for tech stocks and other high-growth names. We also want to check on oil amid its fresh price pressures on Omicron-fueled demand concerns. WTI right now up almost a percent. Brent crude right now up just over a half a percent right now, something to continue to watch. Breaking news, the Biden administration announcing some new steps in the fight against Omicron and COVID overall. This headed the president's speech on the matter this afternoon. The White House says it will buy 500 million rapid COVID tests and will make them available to all Americans for free starting next month. The administration is also opening federal COVID testing sites starting in New York City ahead of Christmas. It also plans to activate 1,000 military personnel to support hospitals amid the recent surge in COVID patients. Something to watch again ahead of the president's speech later today. Now turning our attention back over to the markets and a check on the VIX spiking as much as 6% on Monday as the markets fell in part and pressure over those Omicron fears. Right now we see it's down about 2% this morning. And now for a look at what may be ahead for the markets in the final trading days of the year, according to Fundstrack Global Advisors, which says technical data suggests the S&P could fall further before hitting its bottom. For more on the markets and where the options action is heading, let's bring in John Najarian, Mark Rebellion co-founder and a CNBC contributor. Big dog, thanks for being here early. Hey, Frank, it's great to be with you. Thank you, sir. So I know a lot of people look at the volatility of the VIX. That tracks the S&P 500. I know you're watching the VXN, which tracks the volatility of the QQQ or the NASDAQ. What do you see in there and what action are you seeing in the options market in response? Sure. Well, both of them popped yesterday, Frank. Um, like you said, the uh, the VIX and the VXN both went to the upside pretty strong, but both pulled back pretty substantially. I mean, uh, for instance, the VXN was up about 17%, but pulled back to a gain of just 5%. Um, so that kind of told you that things weren't quite as bad um, after that initial pop in volatility and that 600-point sell-off, people started uh, nibbling back in, um, and that's why the VIX started to head to the downside. Now, the VIX itself for the S&P 500, as you said, um, made a bigger move, made about a 27% pop to the upside, but finished with a gain of less than 6%. So both of these two metrics that sometimes we call them fear gauges or whatever, both of them surged and then 
made pretty dramatic uh, sell-offs, in the VIX, that is. In other words, the fear went down as the day got longer. That was a good sign. And I think people, perhaps this morning, um, that were buying yesterday are the ones that are sort of feasting on that fear today, Frank. Yeah, a lot of fear there in the market, John. Um, One other thing I know you're watching is industrials. Um, You're actually tracking the XLI. It actually crashed through its 200-day moving average Kind of a technical indicator there. What are you seeing there and how are you playing that? Well, yeah, the, uh, that ETF, the XLI, um, for the industrials, uh, one of the spiders, I guess there are, what, eight or ten of them. Um, this one uh, had been up around 105 just a week ago, Frank, uh, $105 per share, and crashed all the way down to about $100 um, per exchange-traded fund. And then they started coming in buying upside calls on that uh, ETF. When they're doing that, that's telling us, and they picked almost exactly the 200-day moving average. The 102s was what they were buying yesterday. So they're saying that between yesterday and the end of the year, December 31st, because those were the calls they were buying, they think that perhaps uh, the XLI climbs back and, again, just like with the VIX, the people that believed in that yesterday are making some money today already, Frank. So I know you got a segment uh, called Unusual Activity, but you're also setting some interesting activity when it comes to travel stocks, specifically cruise ships and airlines. What's so interesting about it to you? Obviously, a lot of volatility there as well with the Omicron concerns. Exactly. Um, and Frank, uh, when, when you have people concerned about Omicron, people seeing all the lines in New York City for tests. And you just described how the Biden administration is going to be making, what, 500 million free tests available. Um, Prior to that, the cruise stocks yesterday, they were down about three to six percent initially yesterday. Um, And they climbed very quickly out of that hole and most of them were positive on the day. Now, you rarely see a turnaround that big um, in a given segment of the market. So to us, that said that people were uh, perhaps anticipating some sort of uh, news. We both know that we haven't really seen the hospitalizations and uh, mortality um, out of uh, Omicron. And we're obviously hoping that we don't ever see hospitalizations and uh, deaths out of Omicron like we've seen in some of the other variants. But uh, the fact that these cruise lines turned it around so fast, that tells you that people's comfort getting back onto cruise ships uh, is something that we want to pay attention to. All right, John and Jerry, and we appreciate the insight as always. Thanks for being here. All right, let's get a check with some of this morning's other top stories, including the continued fallout over Senator Joe Manchin's refusal to support President Biden's $2 trillion Build Back Better plan. Silvana Hanau is back with those details. Good morning again, Silvana. Hey, Frank. So despite Senator Manchin saying he could not support the social spending plan, the door is apparently not completely closed on the matter. Sources tell NBC News Manchin and the president spoke Sunday night after the senator declared his opposition to the bill. Those sources add that the call was cordial and the two kept the door open to further negotiations, saying they would speak again on the matter. 
Meanwhile, America's biggest coal mining union is calling on Manchin to reconsider his opposition to the bill, stressing that it includes an extension of a fund providing benefits to coal miners suffering from black lung disease. Shares of Citrix Systems are jumping this morning over word of a possible joint bid for the cloud computing company. According to reports, Elliott Management is partnering with Vista Equity Partners for the potential deal. The reports add that talks, which are in early stages still, could involve one of Vista's portfolio companies, TIPCO, which provides data analytics software. And Spider-Man No Way Home's stellar opening weekend only getting bigger. Updated figures for the film show it pulled in more than $260 million domestically, surpassing the 2018 Marvel flick Avengers Infinity War and making it the second highest opening weekend of all time. And Frank, according to Comscore, Spider-Man's haul was so strong, it's pulled in more than the total domestic, domestic gross of any movie released during the pandemic. Wow. Wow. Bigger (laughs) than Infinity War. And that was obviously pre-pandemic. That's amazing. I'm going to contribute to that total in the very near future. I might go see it on Christmas. Thanks a lot, Silvana. (laughs) You got it. All right. To another top story this morning and the Omicron COVID-19 variant, the CDC revealing it is now the dominant strain of the virus here in the U.S., accounting for 73 percent of new infections detected in the past week. And that's up from just 2.9 percent just two weeks ago. Amid that rapid surge, President Biden, who, him, who, who, who himself has had close contact with a staff member who tested positive for COVID-19, is set to address the nation this afternoon on the administration's winter strategy for the months ahead. More locally, case counts are rising particularly fast here in the Northeast, with New York alone seeing a 76% increase in the last 14 days. The sudden surge forcing many in the state, including the already hard-hit restaurant sector, to make some very tough choices heading into the new year. One restaurant that's no stranger to hard decisions amid the pandemic is Schnippers, a family-run restaurant group that went from 150 employees in five locations before the pandemic to now two locations and just 40 employees. Joining me now is Schnipper Restaurant's co-founder and co-owner, Andrew Schnipper. Andrew, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Frank. Nice to see you. So thanks for making a minute ahead of what has to be at least an interesting day for you ahead of the president's speech, where I think all of us are, are going to get some type of guidance and information about the country's winter strategy for COVID-19 and Omicron. How do you see the situation? Is it another bump in the road? Or for you, is it uh, where you have to make a detour or change plans? I mean, I think we're assessing every single day. It's more than, it's going to be, this is going to be more than a bump in the road. You know, no matter what the president says and and no matter what policies are put into place at this point, you know, we've also been battling fear now for the better part of, you know, uh, almost two years. And, you know, so the, the mandates or any sort of new policy moves will, will have an effect, but there's just no way of getting around people's people's nerves. I, I feel like New York City right now is on pins and needles. Everyone's, you know, kind of waiting to see how bad this thing is. But you can see in the, in the explosion in cases, it's dramatic. We have restaurants that are temporarily closing because they have staff outbreaks, you know, not which is something that we have not seen before. You have Broadway closing down many shows because there are outbreaks there as well. So, you know, we're 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 hopeful that that perhaps the 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 net the end result will be that the, the this this uh, variant won't be deadly. It will actually be quite mild. But as far as it being contagious and, and getting everywhere, uh, it feels very much like that's where we're headed. Yeah, you mentioned rising cases when it comes to staff and staff members having to take some time off because of having COVID nineteen. I, I want to ask you, um, something that we've seen with a lot of restaurants is just a hard time finding people to work there because people moved on to different jobs. Um, 
right now for you. Are, are you hiring right now? Are you trying to find more staff in long term with an Omicron variant and previously a Delta variant obviously shaking things up? Do you see it hurting your ability to staff in 2022? All right, I mean, there's no question. We're, 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 we're always hiring. We're always looking. We, we're very fortunate. We have a core group of employees that uh, have been with us for a while. Um, and we're, you know, and a handful that were with us throughout the pandemic, even though, you know, the height of the pandemic, we were off by, um, you know, by over um, 90%. You know, as you said in your opening, you know, we went from roughly 150 employees now down to 40, which is the height of what we've been at since the pandemic began. So we don't need that many employees, unfortunately, because of the, the nature of our, uh, you know, the fact that we're off by so much. Um, you know, so... I, you know, I do think that, you know, I wouldn't call it fortunate. I, I wish we needed more employees, but we haven't had so much difficulty hiring. Our, our nature of our business in New York also is more daytime. So, um, you know, I think that that, that that can be appealing to a lot of employees. Um, but but as, the, as the pandemic rages, there's no question in my mind because that we will have difficulty getting more employees should we need them. And other restaurants will have difficulty getting more employees. And one of the ways that I see that is that, you know, the hundred and maybe not all 150, but we've reached out to a lot of our previous employees that had left from the pandemic. And many of them, you know, did not want to come back for a variety of reasons that, the you know, shifts in their work for the pandemic, but also fear of coming back to work. The Omicron virus and the fact that this is so contagious and so out there isn't going to help that situation. So we expect it to get worse. But we also, unfortunately, expect our, our sales to get worse, you know, certainly after the new year and, and likely won't have a need for as many employees. So, you know, it's, it's a that, that whole part of it for us has been a bit of a, of a catch-22. It's, a, it's sort of a circular, you know, uh, you know, formula. You know, we don't need as many employees right. and, um, you know, uh, you know, and, and, and there aren't as many. Yeah. One thing that has to be impacting demand are workers returning to the office. A lot of different companies um, delaying their return to the office. Um, your food, you know, generally comfort food, um, hamburgers, fries, things that a lot of us would eat for lunch because, you know, it's, it's relatively fast and it's enjoyable. How have back to office plans impacted your business and also your planning? Are you able to put all the same things on the menu that you want to put on there? Um, does it hurt your ability to bring in, you know, food or other supplies? Well, I mean, the, the back the back to work, the office back to work has been an ongoing nightmare for us. You know, you know, we're, we're, we're a fast casual restaurant. We're not fine dining, uh, you know, and, and we are in a very large office building. We have several, you know, our restaurants are in large office buildings. We, we attract, a, you know, a lunch crowd, which is generally speaking an office crowd. So um, the fact that workers have not come back yet, I think the latest results were 30% of the workforce in New York had come back, maybe only 8% had come back five days a week. As I said to one of my landlords, who said to me that, no, we know workers are coming back, but they're, they're only going to be back, you know, they may only be back three days a week, but they'll be back. Well, we, we, you know, our business model serves people five days a week lunch in offices. So that that is, I think, the most frightening thing. This is another, another this is more than a bump in the road. This is another is, uh, instance during this pandemic where everyone was expecting workers to come back. There have been multiple times after Labor Day this year. Wow. Now it's January, but it's going to get pushed out further. So yes, you know, that, that back to work thing is, is a problem. And I think the longer it goes on, the longer, at some point, you know, once we're two years for people working at home, it just gets harder and harder for people to come back to work. Yeah, so from imagine. that perspective, yes. Andrew, best of luck to you, your family, and all of your workers. Thanks for being here this morning. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Frank. Have a good day. All right, coming up, your morning's big money movers, including shares of Nike, shaking off supply chain woes and scoring big with its latest earnings. Nike, I think. 
Putt first as we head to our break. Some of your other top stories. Francis Sanofi announcing it's buying U.S.-based Immunix Pharmaceuticals for right around $1 billion. The move comes as Sanofi faced pressure to revive its drug offerings and bounce back from its setbacks that it faced in the vaccine race. The FDA giving GlaxoSmithKline's injectable form of its HIV prevention drug its approval. That drug, which is given every two months to prevent an infection, is aimed as an alternative to daily pills. And the global supply chain crunch now hitting McDonald's, uh, at least in Japan. The fast food giant announcing it will suspend sales of medium and large sized fries in that country for a week starting Friday as it faces a shortage of the iconic French fries. Hard to imagine. Worldwide Exchange, back in a moment. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your big money movers. Three big stock stories in the morning. We begin with one of my favorite things to wear. That's Nike. Second quarter earnings and revenue topping estimates. Demand in North America and digital sales helping offset ongoing supply chain issues and a bit of a slump in sales in China. CEO John Donahue says Nike's in a much stronger competitive position than it was pre-pandemic. Shares up about 3.5% in the pre-market. Stock two, Micron, shares down about a percent after the company posted better, actually up 7% almost, excuse me, up almost 7% after posting better than expected first quarter results with demand driven by memory chips for data centers and electric vehicles. Micron also forecasting second quarter profit and sales will beat estimates with chip shortages easing next year. Stock three, that's Tesla. The stock is up in extended trading today. But as of yesterday's close, it lost all of the gains from the 35% rally sparked by the deal that it struck with Hertz at the end of October. Hertz spending more than $4 billion to buy Tesla vehicles for its entire rental fleet. Tesla sliding 3.5% yesterday, closing just a touch below 900 bucks a share. On deck here on Worldwide Exchange, stocks looking to bounce back and put an end to their recent slide. Michael Farr lays out why the return of risk may actually be a good thing for the markets and what investors need to do around it. And be sure to catch David Faber's exclusive conversation with Disney Executive Chairman Bob Iger as he prepares to step down from the company's board. And as we had to break some of their conversation on the growing battle for viewers within the streaming space. I think you're seeing a migration to more digital, um, direct-to-consumer forms of entertainment distribution. And um, being in that business at a larger scale, which, because I think that will pr- provide more growth for the company than the traditional media platforms would have, and just the migration, the erosion of the traditional media platforms, and the growth of the new ones, we're playing in that new space much more aggressively than we would have, obviously without Disney+, Plus, without Hulu as well. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange and back to the markets. As futures point to a rebound following Monday's sell-off on the one-two punch of Omicron and Build Back Better being pronounced dead, at least for now, your next guest says the market's pullback is a reassessment of risk and is actually a healthy move. And investors, well, they just shouldn't panic. Michael Farr is the president and CEO of Farr, Miller & Washington. Michael, thanks for being here, as always. Good morning, Frank. Glad to be with you. So let's begin. Uh, we're on CNBC a lot. We're talking about like crypto and NFTs and SPACs, a lot of different emerging trends in the market. But you say, and we just hit on it a second ago, something's going to return to the markets that we haven't seen since 09. And this throwback is actually good. You're going to have to explain that thesis. Well, Frank, I think the thing that we haven't seen for 
10 or 12 years really is fear in the marketplace, fear in a bear market, fear that I own stocks ever in my life at all and, and wish that I'd never heard of this and wish that I didn't own any right now. That hasn't happened for a long time. The 2020 March dip was really too brief. And we now have a generation of investors that have never really had that scary moment in a real bear market. So I, I always feel that a little bit of concern and a little bit of worry is healthy. I don't like the fear stage of the market. Nobody likes it. But that could happen again. It will happen again at some point. The fear right now and the worry that's being brought on by Omicron, inflation, and a Fed reaction, I think are healthy. It makes people examine balance sheets and understand what they own. It keeps a lot of the fluff out of the bubble area of markets. It prevents those bigger and steeper declines you hope and keeps you honest while you're doing the hard work of investing. So, Michael, I don't know what you listen to. You ever listen to Little Wayne? You know who that is? You know, I do know Little Wayne. My kids love Little Wayne, and I can't stand Little Wayne. I got to tell you, I can't stand Little Wayne. Drives me out of my... But my, 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 my son and daughter are big Little Wayne fans. They even went right. to a Little Wayne concert years ago. Yeah. I'm going to bring this back to the markets real quick. So Little Wayne has a group called Young Money. I like to call you Mr. Old Money. A lot of people think the old money is the smart money. And we're seeing a lot of that old money retreat to the bond market. Right now, the, the U.S. 10-year at 1.443. What does that signal to you that a lot of people are going back to the bond market? Well, I think there are a couple of things. One, I think it is a little bit of a fear trade. It's a flight to safety trade. It always has been in that 140 range. The Fed said they're raising rates. The 10-year hasn't budged. But relative to other interest rates around the world, we're still high. The 10-year bund has a negative yield right now. You give your money to the government for 10 years in Germany, they're going to give you back less, guaranteed. So relatively, we still look okay. But it doesn't look like there's robust growth. It doesn't look like there's an enormous demand uh, here for growth. All right. Yesterday, we saw a bit of a sell-off. I know you have some stocks that you say you should never sell, even with this Omicron uncertainty, even with some of the inflation that we're seeing, uh, the Fed changing its monetary policy. Can you give us a stock that you would recommend buying right now and that you would ride through all this uncertainty, at least through the end of the year? Well, I, I don't know how eager I'd be to jump into them right this second, but uh, part of my core portfolio, like Buffett's core portfolio of Coca-Cola and others that he hopes not to sell, I own Johnson & Johnson, I own Pepsi-Cola, I own Microsoft. I may trim them if they get to be too expensive at some point. I hope to leave those stocks to my grandchildren. Uh, I hope that they're still a part of my estate. Um, those are solid companies that you ride through markets with. So we have a short-term thing going on here with Omicron. This will pass. Longer term, we've got an expanding economy that's still healthy. These bull markets don't die of old age, so we're going to look at the Fed, what they're going to do, and will the Fed, as the economy continues to expand, put enough pressure on inflation to keep that expansion intact? That's the million-dollar question. When you go through these periods, you still remain invested and you do it with the healthiest companies you can find. Michael Farr, we appreciate the insight as always. Thanks for being here with the old money perspective. Always great to see you, man. All right, we're going to take old one last money. Thanks, Frank. <laughs> we're going to take one last look at the futures before we get out of here. Right now, across the board in the green, the Dow looks poised to pop over 200 points, at least at this moment. And that's going to do it for us here at Worldwide Exchange. Squawk Box coming up next. Thanks for being here. 
You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.